House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Into the House of Mystery, and I'm Al Warren, of course, and uh, Michael Hawley will be joining us from his bunker in Buffalo. It is correct. <laughs> he's hunkered it's down. Not yet. Yeah, he's hiding. Um, today we were talking about um, um, kind of a, a horror, I would say. Um, so we're talking to a writer called Matt Converse, and his book uh, just, I guess it's coming out, is I'm the last face you'll ever see, or maybe it's out, you know, I'm falling apart. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing great, thank you. How are you? I'm delicious. <laughs> I always leave. I always leave them quiet when I say that. So, <laughs> I'm the I'm the last face you'll ever see. That's a pretty. Uh, that's a kind of a terrifying uh, sort of title. Um, How did you come up with that? Uh, it just came to me as I was writing it because it was uh, a phrase that the killer used in the book. And um, originally the book was called The Back Staircase years ago, back when it was a 35,000-word novella. And by the time it finished to like a full-length novel, um, I decided to change the name. And I I like the new title a lot better. I think it just the title alone is kind of creepy. So I like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, you, you've accomplished it. I, I, I want, so, like, um, with the title itself, that leads me to think sort of a, um, you know, someone that's uh, really suspense or terror. Um, it, it's, it's something you could say to someone, and that would put them in that mode right away. Is that sort of the, the, the purpose of the, pers- the person in the book? Well, he more or less says it to himself as he's talking about what he's done and stuff. And so that's just kind of like his mantra to himself, really, more than anything else, is he's saying, you know, uh, you better love me or I'll be the last face you'll ever see. And um, the book is a nod to Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Now, it's not a remake, it's not a continuation or anything just like that. It's just a nod to say, I'm a big Hitchcock fan. I grew up watching Psycho and scary movies, and this book is a bit of a nod. And if you read the book, you'll notice a few things in it where I kind of tip my hat to Psycho. Hmm. Well, so so you're a fan. I am myself, but you're a fan of older Suspense. Oh yeah, I yeah. I really love the old, older horror movies, um, particularly thrillers and horror. Like Hitchcock is my absolute idol. I even though a lot of his isn't really full out horror. I mean, Psycho is, but um, I just love the way he builds suspense, and that's one thing I tried to learn from him and incorporate into my books is. You know, it's not just about the stabbing or the killing. It's about building the suspense of what is going to happen. 
Yeah, I think it's more about creating the horror in one's mind. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, the things that uh, it, it's touching off on the things that will terrify a person. So it could be that they're claustrophobic and putting them in a small room. It could be. It's just about knowing that you're going in a direction that you don't want to go into and building that terror, that time, until you get there. Right. You know. Yeah, I think that's that's really good. I think, I think that's what's missing from a lot of modern horror, and I think that's what they need more of, and I think that's probably why I prefer a lot of the older movies. Oh, I think, I was just going to say that. I think most of the modern day relies a lot more on um, in-your-face horror, so it's, it's right. just, they'll show the blood, they'll show the... The slashing, they'll 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 show you the actual act rather than build up to it or maybe make you think it's going to happen. They just do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's crazy, but I I agree totally. Um, so you said this was a novella, and then you put it into a full full book. What made you go even further? So you've kind of updated it in a sense. What happened is <laughs> much like Stephen King. Um, I got turned down by about 20 different publishers. And so I decided, okay, this needs some work. And so I just, years later, years went by, it just kind of sat there. I picked it back up again, and as I was reading it, I was like, oh, my God, they were right. This isn't that good. (laughs) (laughs) Especially the beginning. I was like, why am I just, doing all this description at the beginning, you need to draw the reader in from the beginning. And so when I rewrote it, it turned out just so much better. And I just kept writing and writing before I knew it. It was over 70,000 words. And I was like, oh, wow, I have a full-length novel now. So um, it needed improvement, and <laughs> so it got it. <laughs> well, and, but, you know, I will say some of that's probably some of the process, too, because, like, I... Oh, yeah. I've done several books, you know, and I find that when I look back at my work, I, I sometimes I cringe because I think, oh, you know, and I think yeah. how I would, I would do it now, and I would change, but you can't just keep updating your books. <laughs> right. I mean, that's, yeah, that's exactly it. It's funny you say that because when um, one I'm working on right now, I like, you know, I went through it and I edited it and then I went back and added some more things, and then at some point you just have to say, okay, you can't keep doing this forever. You have to say, yeah, okay, it's yeah. finished. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is what yeah. it is. Because yeah. once you do it, you, I, I think that the process is when you complete something like this, now that you've finished this book, you are a different person from finishing it. So yeah, if, you were, if you were to go back now and redo it again, you would see things differently because you went through it. Do you know what I mean? Each time we take that mm-hmm. path, we change. And so, therefore, when we go back, we'll change again because it's just. I think that's just what happens. Right, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's a strange, strange business. Yeah. Oh, and by, by the way, uh, your opening, I wanted to tell you that um, this book has come out. It was released in January. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And I've had another release since then in uh, 
May I had Where Evil Begins come out, um, but um, I'm the Last Face You'll Ever See has become my best-selling book by far, and it's my only full-length novel, so that's very satisfying <laughs> that that happened. And uh, that's, that's that, it's great when that happens, but yeah. then it's also it's also it's good and it's bad. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I tell you, because I went through that recently, and I'm. Uh, oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if I like it because. <laughs> oh yeah, sort of I know. I'm I'm already yeah. there because now where Evil Begin comes out, and I'm like, okay, I set a really hard high bar with that last one, and it's ranking on Amazon. <laughs> so. yeah. Well, that was a prequel, oh. right? Where Evil Begin. <laughs> yeah, it was a prequel to Leatherhead, which I. Um, put out in 2018 okay yeah because yeah yeah you know it's funny because it really shouldn't affect a writer but it does you know and now i see what you know musicians go through too you know i could i couldn't imagine but once you do something then then it puts you on a different I don't know, a different place, and then all of a sudden you start thinking differently, and then you have to deal with the whole new. But see, in reality, I wish none of that was involved, because now that's going to change how you work in the future, you know? Right, yeah. You know, that's how I find anyway. I'm not sure I'm not sure I like it, um, but, you know, I guess that's the way it is. <laughs> you know. the price of success, yeah. I told my mom, I said... I said, I see a little glimpse into people that, you know, are very successful. And uh, then what happens after that? And it's like, okay, I had a number one bestseller in the horror category. And then after that, it's like, okay, now what? (laughs) So get into that mindset. But when I'm writing, I just try to let that go and just, you know, go with the flow my normal writing style but it's definitely still in my mind like wanting yeah. to live up to that well and you can't help it to be because it's something you've never experienced before so right. once it yeah. happens you're kind of oh you know and it's different and um, and it'll get a little worse too just so you know <laughs> <laughs> just just so you know I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not sugarcoating this it doesn't get better because you need to start getting people that will write you and say, "Well, how can you do that? How can you how can you write this after that? And why, you know?" And they'll start saying that cover is terrible on your next book, you know. Right. Like that. Yeah. And it's kind of like, well, you know, because all of a sudden there's an expectation from the people that bought yeah. your last book, right. and that's kind of a problem. So, but you know, you know, it could be worse. It could yeah. be worse. But how about how about how about other things? Uh, so like w- with, especially uh, America right now. So you've got, you know, this 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 zinger nutball as a president that they can't seem to get rid of. You've got COVID. You've got, you know, uh, all the stuff going on. Does that seep into your writing? It's funny because I've the one I'm finishing right now, I decided to go with, um, because I was debating whether to write the COVID and stuff into the book, and I decided not to, and I thought, no, people think about this and have to live with this enough, I'm just going to leave it out and make it 
make the premise kind of be more like at a time in the near future when things are a little more back to normal and fun returns. <laughs> oh, no such thing. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's over. I'm, so I'm trying to make it more of an escape from that, but um, it definitely does play into it. And I, I kind of laugh now when I was writing, or when Where Evil Begin comes out, because it's about a guy who wears a leather mask. It's mm. kind of s. It's a thing you see, especially in San Francisco and the leather community, <laughs> where they wear these, I think, scary <laughs> leather masks that have like a zipper for the mouth and holes for the eyes, and uh, it's all part of the fetish. And I, one night, was at a bar and I saw this one guy, and he kind of terrified me, and it was that the strike triggered and I'm like I'm going to write a book where a guy that dresses up like this is the villain because he's scary <laughs> so question I'm Mike, funny now that what's his name Mike <laughs> uh, question have, I had is, so your point of view will the reader be in the, the mind of the killer or uh, or both yeah. oh interesting that you asked that I'm um, actually Yes, in I'm the Last Face You'll Ever See, you are in the mind of the killer because uh -huh. the killer speaks directly to the to the reader. Okay. So you get action of the killer and what's happening with the other people in the book, but you also then, like the next chapter, you know, they're usually short chapters where he speaks right to the reader and kind of talks about what he did and why he did it. So is he, uh, in this case, a serial offender, serial killer mindset, or uh, yes, is that a serial killer? Yeah. So then you have to uh, have been researching. Uh, did you have? Did you research on the minds of serial killers, or is this yeah. uh, just? Yes, I have, and in a way, it's not only a nod to Psycho. It's a bit of a. You know, even though it's totally fiction, in a way, it's almost, you know, like a true crime uh, nod also because of Ed Gein. Because Ed Gein was the serial killer that Psycho was based on, even though he was way worse than <laughs> Norman Bates. Um, yeah. and way, way creepier. So, yes, I researched him and Holmes and recently Chris Watts and quite a few um, serial killers and uh, just tried to get some little, you know, insight into the way they think. Well, it's interesting because uh, when, of course, what I do is I research uh, uh, Jack the Ripper or a particular uh, suspect, his name is Francis Tumblebee, and uh, he, he preferred young men, uh, and usually a lot of serial killers that are sadosexual, like John Wayne Gacy, that's who they target. And then, uh, but Tumblebee was a different kind of person than that. He was more anger, hatred. But as curious, uh, if, if, is leather, is it Leatherhead? Leatherhead, or, is that exactly what you just said? Yes. This is the answer to your question, yeah. Okay, and the other question is like, um, like, it was more of a sexual drive for John Wayne Gacy or Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, would it be hatred or uh, sexual drive that Leatherhead is, is going for? It's 
both, and it's also self-hatred. Because he kills gay men, and in... He and he goes to like gay leather bars and stuff to meet them, and brings them back for sex, and mm-hmm. then they never quite get to the sex. They start, but they never finish <laughs> without giving too much away. <laughs> um, yeah, I. How so curious is John Wayne Gacy? John Wayne, you know, the father was all manly, wanted John Wayne, but. Uh, you know that uh, well, it was like that. that's, yeah, and that was a conflict with John Wayne Gacy. Oh my gosh, I did not know that because that's very similar to my character Leatherhead. In when I wrote Leatherhead, I really didn't know why he was the way he was, and Ooh, then, like a lightning this? bolt, it came to me why he was the way he was, and that's when I just got on my PC and started writing Where Evil Begins, and I was like, oh my God, this makes so much sense of why he's the way he is, and he had a very macho father who wanted him to be a football player and all that, and he was not that, and when his father discovered who he really was, something very horrific happened, and it changed him forever, and that's... Where his hate really started. Looks like I know you're where you're going to research. See, Al, Matt's going to follow me. I told you. <laughs> well, and you, you wear you wear the leather face mask, so <laughs> that's because of my wife. Uh, she's a little tougher than I am. She's yeah. Here, <laughs> she beats him. She whips him all the time. You know. <laughs> you know, he needs to be kept in order. I'll tell you, he gets outrageous. So, well, that, that's. It's really interesting, but uh, so and, and, and do you ever think of 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 so the people that he kills, the people that are that are terrified and murdered in this in this book, um, are they people you know, or people you've seen, uh, people you've met? Like, where do you get those characters from? Some of some of my characters are based on based on people I know. Um, <laughs> and it's funny because it's kind of like a joke with my friends. And uh, and uh, now, and I'm the last face you'll ever see, it's kind of a, more of a straight-up horror novel. But in, like, Leatherhead and Where Evil Begins, a lot of my gay friends were asking, like, okay, you said someone, you have someone based on me in the book, does he live or not? Well, I mean, I'm like, oh, you—you you have to read the book, <laughs> and good luck. <laughs> yeah, good. Well, yeah. I, I, yeah, when we interviewed J.D. Horn, he writes books, and he said that if you're killed in this book, you're someone he doesn't like. <laughs> that isn't true for <laughs> me. Yeah. Well, there you go. Don't I be in off, his book. I kill off friends that I like too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess well, I'm more ruthless than he is. <laughs> yeah, but you know, he also like you know, someone uh, when he was writing, I think the last book, someone uh, bumped in his coffee line, right? And uh, so he killed her, and he killed her really badly. Oh like, wow! Was, oh, yeah, he was, yeah. So it's like, wow. I'm glad I go through the drive-through, but. Uh, <laughs> But you know, each their own. Oh, I just wonder because I just I always find that fascinating. And and so and also as a horror writer, 
you know, so you're speaking through the mind of the killer, and that's coming out. Uh, so where do you get his characteristics? And I don't mean necessarily, of course, the murder and, and, and the bad things, but where do you get the other parts of his personality from? Just my very dark, twisted imagination. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. Another cup of tea, Mother. Have but, drink right. your juice. It, it, it really is like, you know, there are, there are definitely times where I've pushed myself away from the PC, especially with some things that happen right near the end of I'm the last face you'll ever see, where I am almost like scared of myself <laughs> like wow that's really twisted <laughs> like what are people gonna think of you like uh, tell me about your childhood matt <laughs> yeah yeah so but um yeah yeah it's just i just try to you know i just try to put myself in the mindset of someone who is that crazy and you know has that kind of motivation in their head and convinces themselves of you know, that there's a logical reason for doing this. Do you know, you know um, have you got that uh, crime and sexual psychopath book? No, I haven't. Now, this is one you've got to get. I recommend it. Oh, okay. uh, I mean, I'm, I'm writing true crime, but right. I use this. This is the Dr. Rivers. This was the very first person to create a... Um, okay. Yeah, it is called Crime and Sexual... The Sexual Psychopath. The reason is, is this book is, is, was a study he did in the 50s. And the reason is is because I'm doing a, a book called uh, Killer Queen, and he was the guy that, um, he was a oh, homosexual. I, <laughs> I know, I, it just came to me. Because he's a guy that was killing females, but he was gay. That's and this different. is back in, yeah, and this is in Los Angeles in the 40s and 50s. And this is the only study that was ever done on him. But this is a study he did on all of the sexual um, killers back in the 40s and 50s. And this book is a compilation of it. So he's got pictures and everything of all these people and all the things they did and how he did it. And he psychologically studied it. So he explains their behavior and what they do and don't do and all that stuff. So it's a really good insight to people that do weird killings and involve sex. It's just I'm just saying yeah. I recommend it. Of course, oh, yeah. You have to I, get. yeah, I just scribbled down the, the title when you said it. I was like, yes, this definitely is something I need well, to read. Oh, it's excellent. It's excellent, and it's yeah. a good. It's I, I love this book, and it's a really good reference. It helps you understand because he a lot of these he's questioned the people for for months, and he's put in a lot of stuff. So it's it's a, it's a really good book. For information and it's a good insight and um, anyway I just thought I'd throw that in there because um, I, I found it to be quite a help when you're doing this now do you, do you like a lot of the fiction writers I've never done fiction okay so and that's the same as Michael here Michael's written books and he writes true crime as well he's writing on a, on cases that happen so when you write and you create your character, so you've got this serial killer now. Um, a lot of fiction writers in drama and crime that we've talked to uh, have a real affection for their for their uh, characters. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. they, some of them say it's like their kids, or it's like their, you know, they have all these things. How is it for a horror writer? So is this serial killer 
close to you, you know, and I, I, I don't mean that. I know it's weird because he's a, he's, you know, he's a killer, but mm-hmm. it, it's the character themselves. Are they, do you have the same affection? I guess. I don't even know if that's the right word. Right. The same. I yeah, I know what you mean. It, for me, it depends. I've written seven books now and four of them have serial killers in them. And the character in Leatherhead and Where Evil Begins, who is just known as Leatherhead, I didn't have that much affection for when I wrote Leatherhead. But when I figured out why he did what he did and wrote Where Evil Begins, now I do have some affection for him and some sorrow for him. And I've also noticed in the reviews and stuff that people that read the book are now saying the same thing. They're kind of like, I know this is horrible to say, but I kind of feel bad for him now. (laughs) Um, One of your your book reviews says that same thing, that they felt sorry. Yeah. Right, yeah, I know. I've gotten a couple of reviews that have said that, yeah. And I got this one very emotional one on Facebook from uh, this uh, trans person who um, was really affected by where evil begins and was, like, going on and on about it and, uh, you know, was crying when she read certain parts of it. And I was like, oh, wow. Um, wow. So definitely for that character, I feel affection now. I also do for the killer in I'm the Last Face You'll Ever See, but it's a little different. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but maybe in the maybe when I come out with a sequel, which I'm thinking of, which I might call 94 Dead Bodies. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> like too much? Wow. <laughs> There's a reason for that. Because when I researched, and I've done research since, and I was like, well, this is, that number isn't necessarily true. But originally when I came up with 94 dead bodies, it was based on the fact that the, the record for serial killers was 93. And so oh. he was out <laughs> to break the record and become the greatest serial killer of all time. Um, so maybe down the line, the sequel or something, I'll feel more sorrow or affection for him, but it's pretty hard to feel much affection for him. Although, I've got that comment about that character, too. And there is a little bit of that in there with him also, where yeah. you you feel a little sorry for him and feel a little bit of affection for him. Uh, so, yeah, I think that is in there. Um, I think in my book, Window Watcher, the serial killer isn't very, isn't as well known. Um, it's a novella, and the two main characters you get to know a lot about, but you really don't get to know much about the serial killer in that one. And so that one, uh, probably there isn't much of that. Um, so it depends on the book, but I would say most times, yeah, you do feel some, either feel sorry for them or some kind of affection for them. 
Yeah, I guess, you know, because no matter what, I mean, if you were, if it was someone in your family or some a, a member of someone you knew real close and they did something bad, it doesn't stop you from... Right, yeah. You know, I mean, you might not like what they do and you might hate all that, but it's not going to change your connection, I guess. Right, so. yeah. So is there a Guinness Book of World Records for killers? <laughs> I don't know. I never looked it up there. That's probably where I should go. Go, But originally I just Googled it and I came up with this 93. But then recently I looked and they said there's, um, and I forget the guy's name, I should know it, but um, they were they don't really know how many people he's killed. And they're right. guessing that it's probably like over 200. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because I, I, I didn't know if there was a Guinness Book of World Records, so, you know, but there could be. I've never right. looked. Never so, do you, so, do you like animals? <laughs> 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 oh, I tell you. Well, that's it's pretty interesting. So, so what's next? Are you going? Did you? Where do you see yourself in five, ten years, and stuff? Are you going to keep this going? Is this kind of where you want to keep going? Do you want to try different genres, or where do you see yourself going? Um, yeah, I see myself writing for as long as you know. I still really love it, um, and I've already switched genres a little bit because when I first came out, I was really known as like a gay romance thriller writer because I wrote a series about a stripper who had a stalker. And I did a three-novella series, Strip Shot, Behind the Velvet Curtain, Obsection. And I made up that word for the title. And uh, so I got put in that category. Um, And it was really, a lot of it was based on my real life because before I was an author I was a stripper for about 10 years Um, and I did have a stalker but I exaggerated what he did in the book to make it better but my true love was always horror so after I finished with those that's when I came out with Leatherhead and I just loved Leatherhead when I wrote it because I was like this is really who I am as a writer I'm I'm a horror writer um, you know, I watched Psycho and stuff with my mom as a kid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. And, but I was almost, when I finished it, I was, I was almost afraid to send it to my publisher because she just knew me from this novella series. And it was like, is she going to? So I thought, okay, send. <laughs> and it was like, I was prepared for her to say, this is too dark too twisted, you know, you need to tone this down, or this just doesn't fit with our brand, or, you know, something along those lines. But um, I was thrilled when she said she loved it. Um, so, but the other genre that I've started recently is um, sci-fi. Mm-hmm. I love the movie The Day the Earth Stood Still. Right. I think it's Right. The original. <laughs> yeah. I think it's one of the best movies ever. I just loved it. And so since I did a nod to Psycho with Window Watcher, that's a nod to Rear Window, and Psycho, I'm the last face you'll ever see, I thought, 
This is going to be a bit of a nod to the day the Earth sits still, and it's called 99 Days. I'm only about 11,000 words in, but I'm really enjoying it um, because it does have a little bit of horror scare element in it, um, but it definitely is sci-fi. And I have another idea for another I called insectoid or infected. I haven't decided yet. It's going to be based on these insects. And, you know, the hook for that is going to be they've come a very long way. <laughs> so you're going to find out where these insects came from and how they were able to travel so far. Um, so I have a couple ideas. Um, but I think my main stay will probably always be horror because I just, I've loved it since I was a kid. I wrote a short story when I was eight years old that my teacher suspected I copied from a movie or TV show, and I was actually flattered by that. I was like, wow, it must be pretty good if she thinks I copied it. Um, will you go back so to I, novellas, or will it be uh, novels? I tend to like novellas better. I, um, I don't know what it is about my writing that kind of fits with that, but I also do want to do more full-length novels, too. Because mm. I feel like I can flesh out the characters um, better in those. Yeah. And in novellas, sometimes, you know, the characters aren't quite as uh, detailed as they, as they could be. Um, right. But, hmm. you know, sometimes it's nice... It's a, kind of a mixed message when people say, like, oh, I, I loved Window Watcher. I just wish it was longer. And I was like, well, that's kind of good still because they wanted to read more. So, um, Yeah, I'd rather have them wanting more than wanting less. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, you could have cut out about five chapters. Yeah. definitely don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah, it was good to the first half. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I think I'll keep writing... Um, for as long as I'm, I still love it. I I have so many works in progress. Like right now, I'm working on 99 Days. I'm working on Leatherhead Lives, <laughs> the <laughs> sequel to Leatherhead. So no writer's block. What? No writer's block then. No, no. But I do have a weird thing. It's not quite writer's block, but I do have a weird thing where once in a while. I can't write for no apparent reason. Oh, but that's and I feel just kind of stuck. And my cure for that is just I have a little note next to my PC that says, "Write, even if it's just one sentence." And if mm. I can do that and just pull up a document and just say, "Just look at it," then usually I start writing. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I, I I find it the same. It just happens for no yeah. reason, and right. you just gotta yeah. force yourself to do something. Sometimes yeah. I pick something else and just do it, but um, but that's just how it is. I think that's yeah. just you know I don't know I don't know enough about. That's interesting. But sci-fi and 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 horror kind of connect a lot of times anyway. And uh, right, yeah, especially Alien. yeah, especially the older stuff too, right? Um, I think that. Um, 
so are you happy with the way things are nowadays? Do you like what's? I mean, what do you like that Amazon and it's so easy to publish now, and you don't necessarily need a publisher anymore? It's mm, yeah, that's a tough one because yeah. I didn't. I wasn't published until 2015. And so it was funny when I first got published. It was Comet Press, and I have a different publisher now. I actually have two different publishers now. Um, but I haven't done anything with Comet Press, which is now known as Red Room Press, um, since 2015 when my first one came out. Um, I'm with Encompass Inc. now. But um, a lot of people on Facebook and stuff that don't know sometimes will ask me questions and I can tell they think that I'm self-published because so many people are. And it's almost flipped the script to where now people assume you're self-published. Or it used to be a very rare thing. So um, there's probably too many books out there and too many people getting published but you know it's a free free world people can do what they want and uh it's probably flooded the market a bit but um well i think i think a lot of it will go away anyway you know yeah you know when they realize that nobody's going to buy or right that's you know or or they you know i think the biggest problem is i think you can have a good voice but sometimes if they're not good writers, they don't have uh, a good editor, it comes out kind of poorly then. Right, right, exactly, yeah. You know, you should have at least a good editor, I think, but um, who right. knows, you know. Yeah, I, I, had a, I had a little bit of a problem <laughs> with that on my first release, but um, <laughs> now I have um, a really good team. I actually have an editor with my publisher, and then I also have a friend who helps me edit too so I'll finish writing and then I'll edit it and then I send it to my editor she'll do her thing and then I'll send it to my friend after that and he'll find anything he can and then I'll do one final you know look over Um, so yeah yeah, that part really improved because (laughs) of my first book I got some reviews that said oh they were a little too many typos and this and that for me and I mentioned it to my friend Tony who helps me edit now and he said a couple and I said yeah <laughs> and he was like I counted 17 <laughs> and I was like okay so about a year it took me like a year it wasn't until I got with my second publisher I realized okay they didn't really edit much at all they did a little bit um, yeah that's when I realized, okay, this is your responsibility. You have to really make sure this is done. And I actually went back and uh, edited Behind the Velvet Curtain, which was that first release, and uh, cleaned it up quite a bit. Yeah, it's important. It's important, really yeah. important to have that done, I, I think, yeah. anyway. And I, I find yeah, yeah. Your editor right should away change. I realized it because yeah. people's comments saying, you know, it was a good story, but when all of a sudden it's the wrong word, it does throws off the rhythm, and it's like, yeah, yeah, especially if it's a lot, you know. Yeah. Have you ever been, uh, uh, my editor made a comment to me once that I had to change was, you head hop too much. So what I was oh, doing I was going I've, I've gotten that, yeah. Did you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. 
Yeah, but an editor should challenge you. You know, sometimes it, it pisses you off. I mean, I, it's done. It's done that with me, at times. But in in an essence, it, they really should challenge you a little bit anyway, because that makes you. It just makes the book better. Yeah, yeah actually, I have an editor I'm working with for the first time on this. My next one comes out actually in January called. America's Next Top Stripper. <laughs> it kind of ties into my earlier ones. Um, but <laughs> despite the title, it also has horror horror in it, which you wouldn't know probably by the title or the cover. No. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a little takeoff of Ten Little Indians because you have ten strippers living in a house together. And, it's you know, it starts out like a regular you know, reality show contests. But the my the hook to this is each week one stripper will be eliminated one way or another. <laughs> so, <Ooh. laughs> yeah, it starts out with the normal eliminations and then about chapter 11 things start to go dark. But um, anyway, my new editor, she really pointed out some things. She's like, oh, these characters are a little flat. You need to add da-da-da and... You know, she pointed out several things where she challenged me to improve it, and I've just been working on that the last few days, and it's been very satisfying. I was, like, really happy that she did that. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, there was a... Um, I talked to an Australian author um, just this last week, and um, he had a really good point. He said that, uh, you know, the, the, the author writes the story, the editor writes the book. Oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah, and I've, I've been thinking about that ever since, and I just think that's true. I mean, it can be true, if yeah. they, if you know, if they work it with you, and how you right. how you do things, because what they're doing is they're they're writing, they're formatting, they're they're writing the the book that part. You're writing the story, yeah, and and it's the team that makes it come 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 together, you know, but. You know, I guess it's it's different for everyone, but you know, something I think. So, what what do you suggest for someone that's a brand new writer that wants to write hasn't hasn't put anything out, and I want to write horror, I want to write sci-fi. What's your biggest piece of advice? I'd say I have two really big pieces of advice. One is just keep writing. You know, as often as you can. You may not be able to write every day like Stephen King and people say they do. I find it hard to believe that people write every single day, but whatever. Try to write as much as you can. If you finish something, and my second piece of advice is when you finish things and you send them out to publishers, don't lose faith. Keep it up. Every no is one step closer to the yes. And it sounds like a cliche, but it's so true. When I read the story about Stephen King being turned down by 20 publishers for Carrie and then his wife fishing it out of the garbage and sending it to a few more publishers, and that's how he got published. When I got yeah. up to 20 rejections, I didn't feel so bad. I was like, well, I'm right on par with Stephen King. <laughs> yeah. So, um you know, just keep working on it, you know. If you feel like you need to improve it like I did with the last phase, go back, rewrite, but just keep writing and keep submitting. Do you ever think of writing a book where you uh, 
kill off all the publishers that turn you down. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of that before. Oh, Jared, I just made a list. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, use it. It's all yours. Uh, okay. You know, let me know how it goes. I'd be into that. Yeah. You know, I did your comments. Yeah. is actually a self-help book. I think Al. <laughs> I, I I know a few publishers I can send you to that you could uh, that you could kill off. I mean, <laughs> I, I tell you, I've had a few good ones in the history. But uh, anyway, now do you, do, so do you have a website or do you have a place that you like people to come find you and interact with you and pick up your books or any of that sort of stuff? Well, the two easiest ways, one, just my Amazon profile. That's the easiest way to see my, see my books. Um, the easiest way to interact with me, really, is on Facebook, because that's I'm on Twitter, too, but I don't do Twitter quite as much. I'm on Facebook every day. Um, so that's, that's the easiest place to get a hold of me, is Facebook. Yeah. And I'm... Uh, just look for Matt Converse on Facebook and, you know. Well, we'll link that up with our website, and we'll link up your book as well so people can find it one click when they're listening and all that sort of stuff. Oh, great. Thank you. You know. Um, So any any zombie zombie writing coming up for you? (laughs) No, I never have done zombies. Um, It's interesting because, I mean, I could do something like that. I wouldn't rule it out, but one of the things I kind of noticed as I was, you know, publishing more books, I was like, well, I really, even though I write horror, it's very obvious from my books that the, the, the monsters that I find the most scary are humans. Yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> you know, I mean, to me, it's very basic, like werewolves and... You know, things are, they're fun, but they're not real. Yeah. These hey, killers, who says that? I thought they were. <laughs> Don't be sent telling me that. <laughs> there, there, there's, these killers, they're real, and they're out there. And they could be living next door to you or talking to you on the phone right now. You don't know. Oh, yeah. That's right. right. Yeah, they live in Buffalo, all of them do. So don't worry about it. Yeah. (laughs) Buffalo killer. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it's certainly been interesting. Um, I'm glad you came on the show. um, And um, we'll talk again. So um, our guest has been Matt Converse, and the book we're talking about is I'm the Last Face You'll Ever See. And uh, thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you so much. It's been fun. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.